0: No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody boogie puppet tonight. No one's
1: gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody boogie puppet tonight. No one's gonna tell me
2: how to boogie. Come on,
3: everybody boogie it
2: tonight. Score! There it goes. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! <laughs> hang on, hang on, hang on. Hey, let's try that again. I like to be professional here. You know, when we when I first started straight off the bat, When I first started in radio, they said, now, if you ever make a mistake on air, if you don't press a button when you're supposed to, uh, if something doesn't play, the golden rule is you never, ever, ever draw attention to it because most of the people uh, probably didn't notice, right? So, myself and my mate Greeno, uh, when we started, like the first show was full of fuck ups, like everything wasn't working properly. And we drew attention to it constantly because we thought, well, if that's what the professional people do, let's do the opposite of that. And we still, to this day, point out our problems, point out our fuck-ups, uh, because we treat you with respect, we don't expect you to just ignore the fuck-ups and pretend like it didn't happen. So, let's try that one more time. <clears throat> okay, you ready? Score!
4: Score!
2: Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you are. It's Monday night, and you're live with another edition of the Daily Boogie podcast, and it's absolutely the first time we've tried doing the intro. No fuck-ups here. Tonight's, as always, tonight's recommended drink is cheap box wine. Tonight's recommended snack, Bland Brand No Name Crackers. This is the official wine and crackers broadcast right here on Dealer. I love you guys. I love you, silly guys. Thank you for joining us, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. If you'd like to become a full-time supporter of the show of this professional operation that gets everything right 100% of the time, 56% of the time, then you can do so by following me me on Twitter. Oh, God, I'm I'm so fucking starting off well tonight. Holy cow. It's going to be a good show. Uh, If you'd like to become a full-time supporter, hit me up, patreon.com slash boogiebumper. Uh, become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you'd like to compliment us on our professional outgoing attitude, then you can do so by following me on Twitter All at Wiggy Hello, Hello. G with the diamond. Let's go. Let's go indeed. So much to get through and so little time. I've got extra stuff to get through tonight because Friday's show was tragically cut short. Due to buffering issues, people couldn't see the stream. If you want to catch the replay of that show, just go to my Bitshoot channel or go to Rumble. Um, I don't think it's on YouTube. I'm not sure. But uh, go to Bitshoot or Rumble and you can catch, like, the, the Friday show without dropouts, without buffering, because I recorded it and uploaded it later. So you can do that if you s- feel so inclined. Like a, like the title oh, tonight indicates. Hello. I'm rambling again.
5: Victor von schrum Hey, Boogie, Victor here. Hi, Victor. Is this what's it's like in Boogieistan? Also, is this gonna be the national hairstyle?
2: Okay. What's <laughs> look? He's starting off it. He's starting quickly tonight. What's Victor sent us here? I like this. I can do. We can do this in Boogieistan. No problems. <laughs> that is a fantastic do look at that (laughs) what a melon this guy's got huh we can definitely rock i don't know if we'll have like an official hairstyle in boogie stan we'll have recommended hairstyles though You know, every now and then the kingdom will put out a decree and say, well, if you want to impress the king, if you want to impress the house of Bumper, then the best way to do it would be to start rocking this kind of thing in the streets. I don't mind. It looks fantastic. Yeah, a sexy Eddie Munster. (laughs) Well done. Thank thank you for the video, Victor. Much appreciated. Victor always sends the best videos, and by best, I mean confusing. But thank you for that, Victor. Thank you so much for joining us. Um <clears throat> so yesterday's uh, yesterday's Friday show Sat- it was Saturday. Wow, I am in trouble tonight. That means it's going to be a good one. Saturday show was cut short because of all the buffering, so there was stuff that I didn't get to get to and there's some stuff now that I can't do because it's not going to be in context of what we were talking about on Saturday. I am going to cover a fair bit of election stuff tonight because <clears throat> this is by far the most bizarre. I thought 2016 was the most bizarre. Uh, infuriating, confusing election cycle that I'd I'd ever seen. Um, I'm a political junkie. I watch campaigns all over the Western world. I don't care about the countries that aren't in the Western world. Frankly, nobody does (laughs) for anything. But I am a bit of a political junkie. Therefore, I'm a very embittered, twisted and cynical person. And this campaign has just been like... Just with, you could just add the one element of this campaign in the United States currently for president. <clears throat> you, if you just had the COVID angle, it would already be the most bizarre, right? It doesn't feel like a campaign, does it? It doesn't feel like there's an election around the corner because of COVID. So just adding that into the mix makes it the most bizarre of all time. But then you add into all add into it all of the other things. <clears throat> The fact that the Democrats have gone from the most unpopular candidate that they've had in 50 years in 2016 to a candidate who barely even knows he's running. A candidate who barely even knows he's running, doesn't know which state he's in at any given time, is confused as to who the current president in is and whose son is a crack-smoking, <laughs> crack-smoking Dick, t- dick, dick, pick-taking <laughs> sex hound. I mean, it's bizarre, <clears throat> and of course, the least bizarre aspect of all of this is the media not covering it. We- ladies and gentlemen, welcome to tonight's show, the Monday night edition of the Daily Boogie. Let's open up with this. CNN tweeted this out yesterday, and I thought it was utterly fantastic. Let's add this to the file of no self-reflection. It's a, it's a, it, the file is bursting at the seams. Further evidence that the corporate press lacks any kind of self-reflection whatsoever. No matter who wins the US election, the world's fake news problem is here to stay. That's right. They're talking about you. Winning TV with the diamond. Follow Winning TV, by the way, dlive.tv slash Winning TV, Tuesdays, Thursdays and Saturdays. You're a political nerd. I know boring. I love it. (laughs) I know boring. I love it. US President Donald Trump and Russian President Vladimir Putin were in high spirits, smirking and jovial when they appeared in front of the press corps at the annual G20 summit in Osaka, Japan in 2019. Quit living in the past, bro. It was their first meeting since then Special Counsel Robert Mueller wrapped his investigation into alleged Russian interference in the 2016 US presidential election. And Trump was quick to make light of the situation, wagging his finger at Putin while instructing him not to meddle in the 2020 race. Fucking hilarious. The United States has spent decades, billions of dollars of American lives and American lives, pardon me, trying to install democracy around the world. But over the past four years, Trump has effectively handed autocrats a rhetorical sledgehammer with which to bash away at one of its most fundamental pillars, freedom of the press. (laughs) This line, this line always makes me smile because in the minds of, you know, the Brian Stelters of the world, the Anderson Coopers, uh, the Ari Melbers. Um, uh, you know the joe Scarborough's. to them criticizing the press is an attack on the free press when in reality do you know what happens when you have a situation where you're not allowed to criticize the press that's not a free press you see if you live in a country and you're not allowed to question what the press says, if you're not allowed to criticise the press, if you're not allowed to say that the press is fake and blah, 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 that's not a free press. That's what happens in dictatorships. You see, in dictatorships where the press is under direct control of the government or some kind of aspect of the government, they make it a crime to criticise the press. But in the twisted minds of corporate journalists in 2020 if somebody criticizes them that's attacking the free press they would be much they would much prefer if nobody criticized them nobody attacked them maybe there should be some kind of law against it huh maybe we need to protect the free press by making it illegal to question them <laughs> these people are as dumb as dog shit They don't know the difference between shit and shoe polish. Meanwhile, some of those same leaders have greenlit the deliberate spread of real real misinformation. US intelligence agencies concluded that Russia, for example, had used false news to interfere in the 2016 election. False news to interfere in the 2016 election. (laughs) But the spectre of disinformation and foreign electoral interference which has loomed large over the 2020 presidential race, is perhaps not as pernicious as the language now coming out of the White House itself. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, Donald Trump's words are more dangerous than actual propaganda techniques used by foreign countries. His rhetoric is more dangerous. Trump has touted unfounded narratives and conspiracy theories, casting doubt over mail-in voting and the November results, which could leave Americans even more vulnerable to further manipulation experts warn. How about that? Do you want to listen, listen to this sentence again? See if you can read the subtext of this. Trump has touted unfounded narratives and conspiracy theories Casting doubt over mail-in voting and the November results. Yes. To the press that must not be questioned, to the free press, ladies and gentlemen, CNN, saying that voter fraud is most prevalent in cases of mail-in voting is is now an unfounded narrative. When if you check the Electoral Commission's own figures, when you check their own data it's evidently, obviously clear that the more mail-in voting you have, the propensity toward vote, uh, voter fraud goes up because it's easier to to uh, commit voter fraud with a mail-in ballot. This is very basic, logical stuff. To CNN, that's a conspiracy theory. That's not real. It's an unfounded narrative. So this, apparently pointing out this reality, is casting doubt over the November results. Ergo, what CNN wants to take place here is, nobody questions mail-in voting at all. Any suggestion that there's any kind of fraud happening does not exist, and your job is to just shut up, listen to what CNN tells you, and then take what you're given. You're supposed to take your medicine. And if the results come back, just say a particular county in California or something like that comes back and says uh, 120% of people voted for Joe Biden, you're supposed to say, wow, that's a lot of people. And if you say the numbers don't add add up for something, you know, I'm not sure 120% of people can vote. How do you have have more than 100%? At that point, CNN will come out and say, stop pushing the unfounded narrative and Donald Trump conspiracy theory. You bigot. (laughs) That's the way it works. Remember, you're not allowed to question the corporate press. Questioning the corporate press is the same thing as wiping your ass with the American flag. You must never do it. You must never do it. This is a good one here. Have a listen to this. President Trump has said he came up with the term fake news, but the but the phrase has been in general circulation since the end of the 19th century, according to Merriam Webster. Trump was, however, the first US president to deploy it against his deponents, uh, his opponents, and over the last four years he has brought the phrase into the mainstream, popularizing it as a smear of unfavorable but factual coverage. <laughs> <laughs> they're now they're now coming up with their own definition of what fake news is. <laughs> Isn't it cute? You ask ask CNN. CNN, excuse me, CNN. What does fake news mean? Well, fake news means factual coverage that you don't like. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the balls on these people! <laughs> Now, the story is a little wrong because Donald Trump did not come up with the term fake news. If you cast your mind, I remember because I was, you know, I was around. Um, If you cast your mind back to 2015, the term fake news was actually started by the likes of CNN, MSNBC, right? And they started that term to refer to outlets like, say, for example, uh, Breitbart, Gateway Pundit, right? Uh, Anything that was supportive of Donald Trump but not considered part of quote unquote mainstream media. That's what they were, that's what the CNNs were referring to as fake news. So then those outlets turned, they took the, you know, they took the insult and they threw it back at the corporate mainstream media and said, no, you're the fake news. And they've been bitching about it ever since. Yes, InfoWars, exactly. That's, that's how this came about in 2016. They were calling anything that wasn't corporate mainstream media and supportive of Donald Trump, they were saying, that's fake news, ignore that fake news over there. And then the quote-unquote fake news turned around to CNN and said, well, actually, you're the fake news. And CNN said, you can't attack the free
3: press. <laughs>
2: Go fuck yourself, CNN. I'll how about that? Out. No, I'll never grow up. I'll never grow up. Growing up is just a bit fat trap. I'll take pride in Can't see <laughs> Tonight on CNN. Why you must never listen to InfoWars and Breitbart. These outlets are fake news. They're coming up with fake news stories to tell you things about the president which aren't attacking him. Breitbart to CNN. No, you're the fake news. CNN to Breitbart. Stop attacking the free press. Ah, <laughs> oh, these people. Have a listen to this. (coughs) This this is the piece de resistance here. This is where you can tell that CNN has lost all capability of self reflection. Quote There is no question that the fact that the President of the United States is using this term to attack, quote, independent media. (laughs) Yep. Yes, yes. Ladies and gentlemen, the corporate, the, the switcheroo is now 100% complete. The corporate mainstream media is now referring to itself as independent media.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> we here in the independent media, <laughs> independent? <laughs> Wow. <laughs> the opinion they have of themselves hi I'm Anderson Cooper and I'm with the independent media outlet
3: CNN
2: <laughs> <laughs> this morning on Morning Joe everybody's favourite underground independent media outlet MSNBC and look I've I've said this a hundred times and it's worth saying again the reality that these people try to portray is in of itself fake news. And when we talk about fake news, we're not saying... Because I think everybody tries to dumb down the conversation about fake news. And, you know, because it's in their interests, right? So people try to say that fake news means everything that comes out of that outlet is wrong, right? You know, oh, because that's that's just attacking the source. That's a logical fallacy. So, when we talk about fake news, what we're actually talking about is the little manipulations, the little lies by omission, you know, stories having an element of truth. So you could have like five facts in a story that could be that could be true. But the conclusion at the end of the story could be fake, you know, because if you have five I've I've often said, you can give me five facts about you know, um, let's say coal mining, for example. Lady of Diamonds, Gypsy with the diamond. Where did you steal the diamond, Gypsy? Does Boogie Stan have fake news? No, I am the news. I am the news in Boogie Stan. That's it. (laughs) You could give me five facts about coal mining and I could write you two articles. One which is pro-coal mining and one which is anti-coal mining using the same five facts, right? So it's about how the facts get used. It's about wrapping a narrative around truths and half-truths, right? It's not just as simple as saying everything that comes out of that outlet is wrong. That's what we're talking about when we talk about fake news. You know, remember the way that everybody carried on about Kellyanne Conway using the term alternative facts and whenever somebody makes a joke about her saying alternative facts now I just look at them and I think god you're an idiot but it's not their fault because they don't know any better but I knew exactly what she was talking about when she was talking about alternative facts think about the context of the conversation she was having it was about people at the inauguration right now, when she was talking about alternative facts, she was talking about things like viewers on live streams, people watching on YouTube, people watching on Facebook Live. Because the person said something like, the facts are X amount of people turned up to this event. And she's like, yes, but there are alternative facts, such as the amount of people who are watching on Facebook Live, the amount of people watching on Twitter, the amount of people watching on YouTube, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, etc., etc. But idiots just pick it up and run with it. Yeah, she said alternative facts. She's crazy. <laughs> right? But that's what we're talking about when we say fake news. You can take the five the same five facts and write a positive article or a negative article. It's all about how those facts are worked into a, a you know the broader tapestry of what we're trying to discuss. Speaking of which, Washington Post ladies and gentlemen, the crazy uncle. Trump puts right-wing extremism on the ballot. All right. Right-wing extremism, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs>
6: <laughs>
2: I, lo- I love this. This is fantastic. What if the United States is not as divided and unhinged as it has seemed these past four years? Actually, that's what I've been saying for a long, long, long time. That's what I've been saying for a long time. In fact, I've been saying for the last four years that you people who try to make out that there are KKK members under every bed, that there are Nazis marching down the street, that microaggressions are causing pain and anguish the world over. I've actually said, you know, most people, when they look outside their bedroom or they they go to work, this is not the experience that they have with the world. You know, the, the the long list of oppressions and malignments and injustices, right? That the Washington Post of the world try to put out there to people and say, look at all of the things you're dealing with right now. Look at all of the horrible things that are taking place around you. Most people are like, oh, I don't know. I don't really see it. I'm not really sure this is really related to me um you know i just want to go to i just want to go to work and you know earn a living i got to pay off the house and, and that kind of thing and now now we do the old flipperoo what if the united states is not as divided and unhinged as it has seemed these past 4 years what if the result of the 2016 election was primarily the product of a flawed electoral college system got to get rid of the electoral college the mistaken assumption of too many voters and pundits that donald trump couldn't win and a last-minute intervention by an FBI director. Hang on, was the FBI director then was he Russian? I thought it was Russian interference. <laughs> oh, it was we're back to we're back to blaming James Comey again now. James Comey, the Russian. What if Americans complain a lot about government? but count on it to solve or contain major problems. What if the vast majority of Americans don't like extremism? The answer, you would get something that looks an awful lot like the 2020 election going into its final two weeks. Here's the biggest difference between the strategies of Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden. Look at this. Now, if you want to talk about fake news, here's a prime example, right? It's very subtle. We're not saying that everything that comes out of a particular outlet is wrong. We're talking about the subtle little manipulations that these people cannot help but do. I'll read the sentence again. Tell me if you pick up on the little manipulation here that's all about putting your, you know, putting your cognitive state in a certain environment so you're more receptive to certain stimuli. Right? Have a listen again. Here's the biggest difference between the closing strategies of Trump and former Vice President Joe Biden. What's the manipulation just in that setup? You tell me. I'll give you a second. The winner will get 20 internets. It's a very common one. Pardon me. It's a very common one. And it it, it flies right through to the catcher if you're not careful, if you're not paying attention. Because the biggest difference is between the closing strategy of Trump, just the last name, no title, and it's Trump versus former Vice President Joe Biden. Trump versus former Vice President Joe Biden. Not current President Trump. ...versus former Vice President Joe Biden. Not Donald Trump versus Joe Biden. No, it's just Trump versus former Vice President Joe Biden. In other words, the Trump Trump doesn't have the title. Trump really isn't the president. But former Vice President Joe Biden, that carries an air of authority, right? Oh, he's got experience. He's the former Vice President. He knows this title. He's been around versus this Trump guy, right? They cannot help themselves. They even on the slightest, smallest little thing, they cannot help but just constantly propagandize you. That is 100% intentional to do that. And I know it's not a big thing, but it just goes to show how like how micro they're willing to go from one sentence to the next in order to manipulate reality around you. Trump still believes the country loves him and what he had to say in 2016. Biden knows that we are, in the end, a normal country with normal aspirations and normal desires. I guess it's normal to give eight-year-old sex change operations. Huh? How about that? You know, Joe Biden... A vote for Joe Biden is a vote for normal values. <laughs> that's why we need to remove your eight-year-old's testicles.
3: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> gotta cut your dick. We gotta cut your kid's dick off because that's what normal America wants. Joe Biden. This was obvious in last Thursday's dueling town halls on ABC and NBC. Unless his advisors persuade Trump to become a completely different person. It's likely to just be as obvious in this Thursday's debate. What's often missed about Trump, Trumpism and the transformation of the Republican Party is that much of what's going on now harks back to the 1960s. But the other 1960s that most people don't think about. Smokey Bear 2020 with the diamond. I stole the diamond from an Antifa gelding. Thank you. Well, thank you. Thank you for putting that diamond to good use. Yeah, exactly, Kitty B. Men in the women's bathroom and in women's prisons because it's normal. <laughs> 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 Grape Nuts says normalize crack and foot jobs. It's already normal to me. I don't know about you. But the other 1960s that most people don't think about not the civil rights and anti-war movements or the new left, but the far right was at least as, imp- as important as the time, ladies and gentlemen, the far right in the 1960s. The John Birch Society, the Minutemen, the white citizens councils and comparable groups, this wacky right wing has gained more traction in our time than it did then because of the right wing media and the internet that did not exist 60 years ago. Trump is both a product and an instigator of this radicalization. He sees far, far right conspiracists as an important part of his political base, ladies and gentlemen. When. <clears throat> And when the intrepid Guthrie asked Trump about his retweeting, quote, a conspiracy theory that Joe Biden orchestrated to have SEAL Team 6, the Navy SEAL Team 6, killed to cover up the death of Bin Laden, Trump replied, that was a retweet. I'll put it out there. People can decide for themselves. To which Guthrie, to her everlasting credit, the author says, replied, I don't get that. You're the president. You're not like someone's crazy uncle. This is precisely what the country is coming to terms with. Trump is exactly like someone's crazy uncle, lady. Trump is exactly like someone's crazy uncle.
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> you know, I don't understand why people don't respect the press like they used to. I mean, here you have a guy... Here you have a guy in Joe Biden who doesn't know where he is half the time. He rambles endlessly. He tells old man stories about how fun it is to have little kids rubbing his legs in the pool. Right? What? Two days ago, he said, we, we, uh, we've constructed the best voter fraud system, you know, the, the best voter fraud campaign that we've ever had. Uh, earlier today, he confused Donald Trump with George Bush and just trailed off without even finishing his sentence. He is, by for all intents and purposes, he is the one that is most reflective of someone's crazy uncle. But what do we do in the corporate press? We say the other guy is the crazy uncle. Listen to this. And because they hate liberals so much, most Republican politicians and many conservative commentators are ready to keep our government in the hands of an irrational, unstable extremist. The truest conservatives are thus those who oppose Trump. They see that the far right is radical, not conservative, and even small government conservatism depends on taking the government we have seriously. Listen to this. (coughs) Listen to this, it continues. (laughs) This, This is unseemly. Voters recognise Biden as a thoroughly normal human being. (laughs) Do they really? Do they? (laughs) (coughs) I don't know. I think there's going to be a lot of disappointed people on November 3rd, don't you? Don't you? I think there's going to be a lot of broken hearts. The way these people are building themselves up again. Yet again, they've learned nothing from 2016. Listen to this. His views are well inside the normal range of opinions, and his emotions allow for empathy, sorrow, self-awareness, and even self-criticism. The warm, loquacious, in-the-weeds about your problems, Biden, on display. Oh, God, the fawning. The fawning. I'm sorry, Mr. Author. Could you just pop Joe Biden's dick out of your mouth for one minute and speak to us like the normal people you claim everybody is? Get that dick out of your mouth, sir. God. What does Biden's dick taste like anyway? You could write a, you could write a, a, a novel about that. Listen, to his, his views are well inside the normal range of opinions and his emotions allow for empathy, sorrow, self-awareness and even self-criticism. I mean, he's God's gift to politics. The warm, loquacious, in-the-weeds-about-your-problems-Biden on display at the ABC Town Hall was the central casting antithesis to the guy on the other network. There you have it ladies and gentlemen. Donald Trump, America's crazy uncle. Well, in times like this, because who do you believe? Who do you go to? Who do you go to to tell you the truth about what's happening in the world? You know, on one side, everybody's saying that there's nothing going on. On the other side, everybody's saying that it's awful. Some people are even saying that Joe Biden's a normal guy. Lady of Diamonds Gypsy with a diamond Where did you steals a diamond gypsy says, who doesn't like a dick in their mouth? Not anybody I want to know. That's for damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> so in these troubling times, I turn to the people who know, who are on the ground, who understand things. People like Cardi B, ladies and gentlemen. Cardi B reacts to a run-in with Donald Trump supporters in Los Angeles. I feel like we're going to get jumped. Cardi B. (laughs) Look at this. Look at the horror. Look at the horror that Cardi B had to go through here, ladies and gentlemen. Cardi B drove by a group of uh, President Donald Trump supporters on Saturday, and the rapper documented her scared reaction to the encounter. A video posted to Cardi's Instagram story. So remember, Cardi B is the one who gave an interview with Bernie. Yo, Bernie. Bernie. Yo, Bernie, what you gonna do about all these broke-ass niggas who can't be, like, affording healthcare and shit? How your grandma gonna get her pussy checked at the gynecologist, yo, if this motherfucking nigga in the White House be taking away all of our fucking Obamacare's, huh? What you gonna do about that shit, Bernie? And then when Bernie uh bent over and took it raw from the democrat establishment yet again and threw his lot in with joe biden she then had joe biden on the show hey, yo joey b joey b what you gonna do about all these broke ass niggas who'll be talking about shit like they can't be paying off their like school fees and shit yo but yo joey b like niggas be out there they be owing like a hundred thousand two hundred thousand dollars they can't afford to be paying that shit back what you gonna do about that shit joey what you going to be doing about that shit, Joey B? Cardi B, she's a treasure. She's an absolute treasure. A video posted to Cardi's Instagram story shows her driving through crowds of demonstrators, waving Trump 2020 flags and wearing Make America Great Again hats. Oh my God, the horror. How did she survive this encounter? They were, we- they were wearing the hats as well? This must have been incredibly confronting for you. Oh, Cardi, I feel so sorry for you, Cardi. How awful! <laughs> Let's see the video here. Now, apparently, is this is this the husband or the the guy she's currently fucking? Offset is that him? I don't know. Or is he just like one of the crew? Is he one of the posse? I'm not sure. Is Offset her dick? Is he? Or I don't know. I can't. I don't keep track of celebrity dating. Circles, you know what I mean? But he's in the car with her, apparently. I thought he was, anyway. So here's Cardi. Let's have a look at Cardi B. Let's let's experience the horror with her. Because this was obviously a very confronting experience for Cardi. Now we love Cardi B on the show. Let's see what she was going through. Let's let's look at the oppression. Let's look at the horrifying circumstances she found herself here in in this very, very rich part of Los Angeles. How
3: many fuckers? I'm scared now. We're going to get jumped. I really feel like we're going to get jumped. Oh, my God. Ah! Trump supporters are everywhere. I'm scared. I don't
2: know. I'm scared, yo. I don't know what to do, motherfucker. I'm so scared.
3: (laughs) How many fuckers? I'm scared now. We're going to get jumped. I really feel like we're going to get Trump. Oh, my God.
2: Ah! (laughs) Trump supporters are everywhere. Oh, my God. Look at this very, very scary situation of people very calmly walking past a car doing nothing. (laughs) Look at this horrifying situation. Look at this. It's like Beirut in there. It's like a fucking war zone out there. Look at this. We have people in their trucks with American flags waiting patiently at traffic lights. Oh my God! They're going to kill us all. (laughs) I see white people!
3: are everywhere I'm scared I'm I am scared like Joe. It with big ass truck <sighs> I don't like this shit look at this look at this look, how they... look
2: at this look at them just walking past the car not doing anything <laughs> I mean, we, we opened up the show talking about, you know, constructing your own reality, right? <laughs> this this is a prime example of that. Look, you just have people patient, you know, walking past a car, not doing anything. Look at this. Oh, my God. Look at that. Look at that. I'm scared, yo. <laughs>
3: like it with a big-ass truck. I don't like this shit. Look at this. I don't like this shit. Look how they're walking around.
2: Look how they're walking around. It's nothing more frightening than white people, supposedly white people. I don't know if we know or not. There's nothing more frightening than white people just walking around, is there? Let's be honest here. Horrifying. So, I don't know how she survived. She's, a, she's an angel. Uh, she's very brave. Now, this is this Offset guy. I don't know who Offset is. I don't particularly care. But he was arrested on his own live stream. I'm not sure what he did. But he, of course, he's claiming to be the victim here. Let's have a look.
4: Why not? Because you got guns out. That's, that's my
2: choice. Come on. Uh. Let's go. Why
4: not? Because you got guns out. That's that's my choice. I'm not gonna move my hand from yeah, my steering we wheel. You, guys were waving you guns. celebrity, you know who I am. I'm Offset from the Amigos. What are, they they they're fans. Any, that's why they're following me, bro.
2: Do. Ah, d- don't you know who I am? I don't actually. I don't. So you have to be very quick, but the very quick to hear it. But the cop says basically we had reports that you were waving your guns around. Right? So they're in the middle of this Trump rally scenario. There's a lot of people with Trump flags, a lot of people who are apparently just walking around with Trump flags. I don't look at look at them, y'all. Look at these niggas just walking around and shit. I'm scared, y'all. <laughs> so apparently all of these very frightening Trump supporters who were just walking around not doing anything. And Ring the bell and get your cheese, man. Thank you for the sub, Iceman. Apparently, according to the police, there were reports of this guy and the other people in the car waving their guns around at the people. And he replies with, I'm a celebrity, don't you know who I am? (laughs) Oh, well, please. Now, of course, it would be wrong to suggest that... uh, you know, rappers are inclined to waving their guns around in public. That never happens, does it? Never. We'll take a sip of drink here. I don't know about you, but I've never heard of rappers waving their guns around on the street. Have you ever heard of such a such an event taking place? I've never heard of that. Don't you know who I am? <laughs> So the video continues. Why we're here. We were I just you
4: watched. Guys were guns
5: you just you watched somebody beat guys, my car up
4: proud. with a flag. What so are you talking about?
2: You, turn- you just watched somebody beat my car up with a flag. I'm a celebrity. He just said, I'm a celebrity. They love me. That's why they're following me. But now it seems that the people who were following him were beating his car up. Oh, so Ms. B is in the back seat, is she? Well, there you go. I need you to. Turn you told me apart. put my hands up. I'm not doing that. You
5: put my
4: hands up. It's twenty five thousand people in my what live. I'm
2: telling you. <laughs> <laughs> you tell. You told me to put my hands up. I'm not doing it because I have twenty five thousand people watching me on Instagram. Rapper logic, ladies and gentlemen. You can't arrest me. There's too many people watching my live stream. <laughs> Now, I'm no detective, but it seems that the story isn't quite holding up, sir. So, first of all, the people were following you because you're a celebrity and they love you. But the same people who love you were apparently beating up your car with a flag. (laughs) You were apparently waving a gun around because the people love you. And you're not putting your hands up. Because you have twenty-five thousand people watching on Instagram. That's well, that's easy. You're gonna get sued publicly. You're gonna get sued. You're gonna get sued publicly. <laughs> <laughs> publicly sued. Well, I prefer to be sued publicly than privately, sir. So that's okay. Don't move, man. Open the
4: door. No, that's not legal. That's not legal. You can't just open my door. That's not legal, brother. Yeah, I can. No, You're you can't. Get out of the spot right- now, you can't just open my door. You can't just open my door. You can't just open my door. It's illegal. I'm going to sue the shit out of y'all. Y'all know who I am? <laughs>
2: Again with, don't you
3: know
1: who
2: I am? Don't you know who I am? <laughs> Kitty B, sorry sir. We don't arrest you if you have 35,000. Just 10,000 short, unfortunately.
4: What is you grabbing my fucking
2: wrist for, bro? so aggressive, bro. Why so aggressive, bro? And that's where the video ends. There you have it. (laughs) The horrifying, the terrifying, ladies and gentlemen, Donald Trump supporters, whatever are we going to do? Uh, Tell you what. I'll play this one just before we go to a break here on the Monday night edition of the show. I found this fascinating because this to me was like the final straw and I'm working on a theory here. I am almost convinced now that Barack Obama is actually trying to torpedo Joe Biden's campaign. And people are going to say that's crazy. Hear me out. First of all, he has done everything possible not to publicly back Joe Biden, hasn't he? He has only gone through the motions just enough so people can't accuse him of not doing anything, right? He waited till basically two weeks before the election to even begin to say that people need to vote for Joe Biden. This was after millions and millions and millions of people, probably like 40 million people or thereabouts, have already voted, right? Remember that tweet that Joe Biden put out, "Oh my best friend Barack Obama," where he where he tweeted the fucking friendship bracelet or whatever it was, something that, that like a 12-year-old girl would do, which was bizarre. And Baracko Baracko Obama, Baracko Biden. <laughs> Baracko Biden. Barack Obama didn't even reply, right? And He's been making comments, and during his speeches, right, it's been very subtle, but on the surface, what looks to be a speech about supporting Joe Biden, he's actually been making Joe Biden's life more difficult. He did a speech, a rally in Miami two days ago, where when he was insulting Donald Trump, he was saying shit like, oh, the Florida man wouldn't even do the shit that Donald Trump would do, right? Like, you stupid Floridians, you stupid Florida people, wouldn't even behave like Donald Trump. See, (laughs) which is actually probably like an insult to people in Florida. So that's one thing. Another thing here is why would Barack Obama want Joe Biden to win? If it is correct, like many people say, that Michelle Obama is being groomed to run for president in the future, perhaps in 2024, right? Why would Barack Obama want Joe Biden to win? He wouldn't want Joe Biden to win. He wants four more years of Donald Trump so he can organize, so he can organize, you know, uh, the shift back to the Democrat Party after 2024, so he can prepare Michelle Obama to be the candidate in 2024, right? Where her chances of winning are far greater because she won't be running against Donald Trump, you see? If Joe Biden wins and then drops out and Kamala Harris takes over, people may, you know, in the mind of Barack Obama, people may support, you know, it's going to be much more difficult to get rid of a Democrat incumbent than it's going to be to win an election where there is no incumbent. Do you see my point here? It's also very, very rare historically for the party who wins the presidency to win at three elections in a row. It has only happened, I think, three times in the entire history of the Republic. Now, see Smokey Bear in the chat. Michelle Obama running in 2024 would be hysterical. Not going to happen. It'll never happen here. (laughs) (laughs) I I love this where people just like completely discount something four years into the future. Because I say so. Come on now. Come on now, Smokey. Don't be daft. Don't be daft. We don't we don't do it'll never happen here stuff. Ring the bell and get your cheese, man. Thank you for the sub. Follow Q. So I can very much see uh, you know, the Obamas wanting Michelle to run in 2024. She's already basically campaigning now. If you look at the campaign material that she's putting out for the Democrats. So I wouldn't be surprised if they are grooming her for a run. In 2024. Why waste her in 2020? It's much more difficult to win in 2020 than it is in 2024. And you don't want to unseat a Democrat incumbent. You want an open slate. You want a new candidate versus new candidate. And then you add into the mix. So you add all of that stuff into the mix. Smokey Bear 2020 with a diamond. Don Jr. for POTUS in 2024. Good luck with that. <laughs> Good luck with that. <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, well, you know, like I said, I never say never, but um, I've, I find Don Jr. running for president in 2024 far less likely than Michelle Obama trying to run in 2024. Just put it that way. Um, so... You add all of these things into the mix. You also add into the mix that it's well documented that Barack Obama dislikes Joe Biden immensely. Uh it Joe, Barack Obama was accused of torpedoing Joe Biden's run in 2016 in preference for Hillary Clinton, believe it or not. Like he actually that's how much he dislikes Joe Biden. He actually likes Hillary Clinton more. So that's not a good, you know, that's not a good fucking advertisement for Joe Biden. And then I saw this yesterday and this for me was like the icing on the cake. This was the final straw. When I saw this, I was like, okay, Barack Obama, uh, Barack, again, Barack Biden. what the hell is wrong with me today? Barack Obama is definitely trying to end Joe Biden's presidential run. Have a listen to this.
4: Now Donald Trump likes to claim he built this economy. Some people actually give him credit for it. Listen, America created 1.5 million more jobs in the last year of the Obama-Biden administration than in the first three years of the Trump-Pence administration. So, so, unemployment was steadily going down during the Obama-Biden presidency, Uh and then he gets elected and it keeps on going down, and suddenly he says, look what I did. Their first three years fell short of our last three. No, they didn't. And that was
2: before. What's with the honking of the horns? Honk, honk. He
4: could blame the pandemic. He did. He did inherit the longest streak of job growth in American history that we got started. But just like everything else he inherited, he fumbled it. The economic damage he inflicted by botching the pandemic response. (laughs) <laughs> means that Donald Trump will be the first president since Herbert Hoover to actually lose jobs.
2: And 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 you know, he he loves on, what about you in 2012, Barack? <laughs> what about you in 2012? Sir.
4: Jesus Christ. Talking about black unemployment. Says he's the best uh-huh. president for black folks since Abe Lincoln. <laughs> What? What? Listen. Listen. Black unemployment.
2: I mean, you know, like, I'm no fan of Barack Ob uh, o- Why do I keep saying Barack Obama Biden? What the fuck is wrong with me today? <laughs> Barack o- Biden. <laughs> Everybody's favorite Irishman from Scranton. Barack O Biden. <laughs> Gloria in the chat, I can't even stand this man's voice. I understand that. A lot of people really, I, you know, I'm no fan of Barack Obama much myself, but that's the one thing. He's the best speaker that the Democrats have. Uh, who, who would you compare to Barack Obama in terms of being able to hold an audience, right? What, Nancy Pelosi, Joe Biden? They're all terrible. <laughs> they're all awful at speaking. He's the only one who speaks with like a bit of energy and stuff. And this is another reason why I think <clears throat> he's actually trying to torpedo Joe Biden's campaign. Because he is literally the only unifying figure that the Democrats have right now. Right? He's the only, he's the only one on the Democrat side that all Democrats, by and large, most of them anyway, like over 85% at least, uh, would get behind. And he waited until about two weeks before Election Day to even start talking about it. Why? You know, if he really wanted Joe Biden to win, as the most, you know, loved Democrat personality that the Democrats have right now, as the one who can unify the liberal left and the moderates, the only one who can unify them, because there is a civil war on the verge of happening in the Democrat Party right now between, like, the progressives and the moderates. Don't kid yourself. We've been talking about this for years. You know, the far left faction is growing and growing and growing. The moderate faction is trying to hang on. There are anti-establishment candidates in the Democrat on the left, just as much as there are anti-establishment candidates, you know, sort of swirling around the GOP machine. Barack Obama is the only one that they have that can unify all of them and get them on the same message, get them on point. He waited until two weeks before election day to even start talking about it. He should have been, if he really wanted Joe Biden to win, he would have been out there from day one because he's the strongest asset they have, rightly or wrongly. You know, your personal opinion of Barack Obama aside... So that's another reason why I think he really doesn't want Joe Biden to win. But let's carry on here.
4: Almost hit 17% during the Great Recession 10 years ago and through a lot of hard work, Joe and I helped get it down to 7.8 by the time we left office. And it just kept on going down like all the other employment rate was going down. Not because Donald Trump did anything. This year, it went way up, back to 17% right here in Florida. And he hasn't had an answer for it. The only people truly better off than they were four years ago are the billionaires who got Trump tax cuts.
2: This is fantastic because <clears throat> I know a bunch of very progressive people, you know, like bordering on communist, And they dislike Barack Obama immensely. You know why? Because Barack Obama used taxpayer money to bail out the richest people in America, i.e. the bankers, after the housing crisis. That was that was your taxpayer money. Remember too big to fail? And the bankers went on to pay themselves millions and millions and millions of dollars in personal bonuses as a result. But also, it is well documented that the gap between the richest 3% of people in the United States and the following 97% grew more under Barack Obama, meaning the gap between the richest and everybody else grew more under Barack Obama than all other presidents combined. You know, you, you have to separate the rhetoric from the reality. And the rhetoric is, oh, he loves the little guy. He cares about the poor and underprivileged people. Barack Obama was the corporate's corporate president. He was the uber-crony capitalist president. So much so that he took billions and billions and billions of dollars of taxpayer money and just handed it over to the richest people in the United States. That runs directly counter to all of this rhetoric about, oh, you know, the big end of town and Wall Street and stuff. The problem is, like most things, uh, these speeches by people like Barack Obama are purely aimed at the dumbest people in society. The people who have not a single ounce of motivation to look beyond the language, to look beyond the rhetoric. Barack Obama was the best president for rich people that has ever been a president. On record. So that always amuses me when he talks about stuff like this. But again, the problem is, you know, facts, nobody cares about facts anymore.
4: And meanwhile, and meanwhile, he won't even extend relief to the millions of families who can't pay the rent. Or put food on the table in this pandemic
2: knowing full well that donald trump actually can't extend relief it's actually up to congress and the senate to do it but again facts don't matter anymore
4: and i and and the fact that he can't make that happen that he won't make that happen I, it's hard to understand because it's not like it's his money
2: again, okay. <laughs> it's not like it's his money as we just explained barack obama Barack Obama was the best president at handing over taxpayer money to businesses. (laughs) Not businesses, actually. Pardon me. The rich, 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 uber-rich capitalist bankers and hedge fund managers. He was their guy. (laughs) But coming up is the line that I'm telling you about. This is the line that, for me, illustrates how much Barack Obama wants Joe Biden to lose. Have a listen to this.
4: He barely pays income taxes. He had no problem paying a ton of money in taxes to China from his secret Chinese bank account. Let me...
2: Secret Chinese Ooh. bank account? God.
4: Hold up a second. I, I, let me just see a show of hands. How many people here have secret Chinese bank accounts?
2: <laughs> How many people have businesses in China, you fucking idiot? <laughs> What an idiot! Uh, he's not an idiot. He's not an idiot, but the people who are going along with it most certainly are.
4: Who's who's got a, a secret Chinese bank account? His first year in the White House, he only see
2: saying saying it's a secret Chinese bank account. That's all just rhetoric.
4: Paid seven hundred and fifty dollars in federal income tax. You 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 got secretaries. You've got you've got. Construction workers, you've got
2: it's coming. Hold on, wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it.
4: A lot more in income taxes than that.
2: Wait for it. Wait for it. it. Listen,
4: I'm not saying that I, I'm not saying that. Like on tax day, I'm just so happy about all the taxes I'm paying. Oh, really? You know, I I pay more than forty cents on every dollar I earn. So does Michelle. And we do it proudly.
2: <clears throat> now, work with me here. Why do you think that that's actually a bad thing for Joe Biden, what he just said there? Right? Because attacking Donald Trump, oh, he, he only paid 750 blah, blah, blah. He only cares about the rich people, blah, blah, blah. That's standard Democrat fare, okay? That's fine. That's fair enough. But what he's just done then is highlight to everybody in the audience, like tax is such a big talking point right now in the last days of the election, right? Because the income tax, you know, Joe Biden said, we're going to put up income taxes, blah, 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 blah. The tax thing is such a talking point right now. All he's done. Ben K. Veritas with a diamond. If, 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 if. Thank you for joining us, Ben. All he's done by doing that is remind all of the people in the audience, remind everybody who's watching that Joe Biden is going to increase taxes. I pay 40 cents on the dollar. So does Michelle. We pay it proudly. He's he's legitimately trying to, you know, if, again, I don't think he's trying to, But just say you take like the very non-skeptical view of this. He's trying to make paying your taxes a good thing. Now, for all of the talk about Donald Trump only paying, you know, a certain amount of taxes, blah, blah, blah. There is not one person on planet Earth in a taxpayer funded society like the United States, like the UK. There is not one politician in the United States system Democrat or Republican who has paid one penny more in tax than they absolutely have to none of them pay more tax than they have to exactly foggy thank you so much perfect what's wrong with handing over almost half of your income folks do you see what I'm getting at here He's reminding the audience, he's reminding all of the people in the audience that they're going to have a big chunk of their money taking away and he's pretending like they should be proud of it. See, if he really wanted Joe Biden to win, that's the last thing he should be doing, reminding the audience about how much tax they're going to be paying. And when I saw that yesterday, I was like, oh man, this guy hates Joe Biden and does not want him to win. Of course, he can't just come out and say that he doesn't want Joe Biden to win. He can't just come out and say that he'd rather Joe Biden lose and Donald Trump stays in for another four years so he can start organizing, so he can start chumming the water for his wife, Michelle, to run in 2024 when she's not going to have to run against Joe Biden. He he can't come out and say that it's much easier for Michelle to run in 2024 when the seat is vacant. Uh, rather than try to unseat a Democrat candidate who's already in there, whether it's Joe Biden or Kamala Harris. It's much easier to run, uh, you know, not in a primary against a sitting president, as all of the people who ran against Donald Trump this year found out harshly, right? Doesn't happen. You can't unseat a president. It's very difficult. Even if the president's going horribly, very difficult to win in a primary against a sitting president. So he doesn't want a Democrat in there. He wants Trump to run four more years. He can run his little his little operation from Washington, D.C., getting people agitated, getting people organized, getting ready for the rallies and the. it's time for change. The first black female president, yes, it's time. It's time for change. We've had so much of these old rich white men running the show. It's time for a black female president, blah, blah, blah. You know, the shit writes itself. And when I saw this yesterday, when I was watching this, I was like, "Holy shit! <laughs> Look at this guy, reminding everybody about that they, uh, reminding everybody that they're going to have to hand over half of their income under Joe O'Biden. Uh, Joe o- Biden. Oh God, <laughs> Joe o- Biden, Barack o- Biden, having an absolute shocker. <laughs> Tell you what, let's take a quick five-minute break. I'll regain my composure in theory." And we'll return on this Monday night edition of the Daily Boogie podcast. Stick around. Ian Michael, Glass Art, Head of the British Garage Door Repairers and Glassmakers Association,
1: Lord Clarence Cobblepot. Well, I, I truly have uh, no uh, hesitations. It's just uh, Ian Michael is a visionary. Uh, possibly the most uh, wonderful, talented glassmaker we've ever seen, you know, of this generation. Uh, uh, I recommend them to all of our, 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 service members and all of our, our union members, we require only the best in quality. Ian Michael Glass Art, not just dildos and butt plugs.
0: Do you suffer from mass hysteria, not knowing whether to wear a mask or not? Do you suffer from paranoia, constantly in fear of Karens? Do you suffer from anti laughism the inability to laugh and smile no matter what happens to you? Well,
5: it's Child Worthington here with Child Money Live, where you can have a chahoot and of a good time. We have everything from chakurin events to a chasourcing of Karens, where these chakarens just be going cha-crazy. It's off the industry. We got Karens going crazy over french fries. We even have Karens that think they have the force. It's insane over here at Chamoy La. So I appreciate you. Come on down. We got the phone lines, they're always open. We'd love to have you.
1: Side effects may include dizziness, lack of oxygen, due to hysterical laughing, inability to shield off carrots to come within six feet of your senses, the expansion of the mind due to the overload of factual information, fake news, confidence the lack of black bullshit in your life,
2: and the instant ability to become based. For instant, with to meet these symptoms, please contact the trauma in the outline immediately or seek your closest woke friend and may be able to calm you during your time in transition from sleep to awake. <laughs>
6: Mr. Mueller, rather than purely relying on the evidence provided by witnesses and documents, I I think you relied a lot on media. I'd like to know how many times you cited the Washington
2: Post in your report. How many times
1: I what? Cited the Washington Post. How many times I what?
2: Mr. Mueller, I'd like to know how many times you cited the Washington Post in your report. Sorry, would I like some toast? No, no, no. How many times did you cite the Washington Post? I'm sorry, at the party, am I a good host? I'm a very good host. No, no, Mr. Muller. How many times? Yes. Did you cite? Yes,
1: yes. The Washington Post. The Washington Post. I Well, I don't know the Washington Post, but I've heard good things about him. There's always lots of hors d'oeuvres. You know, I I, I remember back when I was a younger man, a younger man, we we would host host many soirees. Of course, back then, of course, back then. Uh, I was I was quite debonair. I was a big big fan with the ladies. The ladies very much enjoyed my company, and uh, myself and the Washington Post would get around, town, make make tremendous friends. And then of course I would always be up at the crack of dawn the next day to get the daily news because as you know in those days they didn't bring the newspaper to your front door. You would have to go down the go down the road to get it yourself. And i would always make sure that i had a sixpence in my pocket to ride the trolley <laughs> <laughs> no mr muller how many times did you cite the washington post oh the washington post yes oh, it was a tremendous paper i remember back in the early days you could purchase the washington post a cup of coffee and ride the trolley all for around four cents those were t- it was a tremendous time to be alive Posting
6: in your report I I, I do not have knowledge of that uh, figure, but I, I, well, I I don't have knowledge of that figure. I counted about 60 times. How many times did you cite the New York Times? I counted. Yeah, I
0: have no idea.
6: I counted about. I
2: I have no idea because I didn't write the fucking thing. Subscribe to the Daily Boogie podcast. It's
6: what granddaddy wants.
3: officer, When you're out on the job, remember your training.
2: You know how to handle this. Don't forget, smens.
0: This Justin, the global officials that can help all, also known as Gotchu, have now banned all boogieing and boogie-related movements worldwide. Public safety is the main concern, they say, and people are reminded that boogieing is contagious. Anyone caught boogieing will be dealt with in the harshest terms police have reported. All right, this world can get you down.
3: There's just one thing you can
0: do. You gotta get back up and shake your all around. No one's gonna tell me how I'm gonna boogie. Come on, everybody, boogie popper tonight. No one's gonna tell me how
2: I'm gonna boogie Come on, everybody boogie papa tonight No one's gonna tell me how to boogie Come on, everybody boogie tonight Coming back! Second half of the show Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls Hot goths off the press Apparently Amy Coney Barrett has been confirmed She is the next Supreme Court Justice in the United States Congratulations! I'm very happy about that. Hey, OG listeners to this show will know that I was pushing for Amy Coney Barrett like before Gorsuch. That's how much we wanted um, that hot Irish piece of ass. <laughs> what am I talking about? <laughs> no, I think it's fantastic. She's great. Um, so, yeah, be on the lookout now for all of the campaign materials. Look at look at what's going to happen now! Oh, it's going to be so much fun! I can't wait. Wednesday night we're going to have to come back with all of the CNN reports, all of the MSNBC reports. This is the end of America as we know it. Roe v. Wade. You've got to get out and vote. (laughs) You've got to get out and vote. You've got to let your voices be heard. How much you need to tell this president how much you love abortions? All of that kind of shit will be taking place. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, And just a little bit of housekeeping on Wednesday night, ladies and gentlemen, I am trying to line up. Hopefully we can get him. Uh, The great JJ stoner should be joining us on Wednesday night, the Wednesday night edition of the show. It's been a while since we've had JJ come around and I've invited JJ on. Um, I want him to bring some of his freaks and his tards (laughs) to wow our audience. (laughs) But it's always fun hanging out with JJ. So I'm looking forward to that. And, uh, I have been speaking with charmani chamani chama and because Ch- a while ago chamani asked me to go on his show so we can have a little chat and so we are trying to line up it's looking like a couple of weeks from now probably on a Friday night late late Friday night Pacific time so um I'll let you know when we get closer to it though and I'll be joining chamani on chamani's channel dlive.tv slash chamani so a lot of things happening in the universe it's not just political it's not it's not just uh you know, elections, although it is the flavor of the day. So let's get right back into it. I want to show you this. This is fantastic. Now, this is Fareed Zakaria. And I've got to be honest here, because, um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you honestly what I think of people. Uh, Fareed Zakaria, I actually don't even really mind Fareed Zakaria. Because Fareed Zakaria, to me, he seems like an honest person He seems like an honest person. Now, what I mean by that is, it doesn't mean that everything he says is correct, right? What I mean by that is, when he puts his opinion out there, you get the impression from Fareed Zakaria, it's what he genuinely believes. It's not disingenuous like, say, a Don Lemon, or a Joe Scarborough, or a Chris Cuomo, or a Brian Stelter, or an Anderson Cooper, right? I get the impression that when Fareed Zakaria says something his his personal opinion he genuinely believes it that doesn't mean that he's correct all the time same thing he has a genuine quality in the same way that uh Alex Jones does right now Alex Jones is an i think is an honest presenter that doesn't mean that Alex Jones is correct 100% of the time it means that Alex believes what he's telling you you get that impression that's what i get anyway it's what my intuition tells me. <laughs> my female intuition. My vagina tingles when Alex speaks, obviously. And I get a similar vibe from uh, Fareed Zakaria. Same thing with Jake Tapper. I think Jake Tapper genuinely believes what he's saying, even though he might not be correct at the time of saying it. Right? You see what I'm getting at here? So this is Fareed Zakaria explaining why he thinks Donald Trump will lose the 2020 election. You're going to love this. Now, let me preface this. I actually think Donald Trump will win the 2020 election. Uh, I wouldn't bet the house on it because I think you know, in in certain states, it was very close in 2016. So I'm I'm not I'm not somebody that deals in absolutes. You know, I I don't give you an absolute unless it's like jury standard of evidence. More often than not, I the way I do opinion is by on a scale of probability, right? More probable to less probable and anywhere in between. And I think it's more probable that Donald Trump will win the election for a number of reasons. Um, The the first one being that new registrations in key battleground states are favouring the Republicans by around three to one. Now, that's just one metric, but that also feeds into the polling data because unless you've voted in the previous two presidential elections, you don't get polled because the polling companies are only interested in what they would call uh, regular voters, right? They only care about people who are regularly engaged in the political voting system. So if you haven't voted yet, you don't get polled, believe it or not. So that means that there is a whole swath of unpollable data out there which can only be brought out uh, on election day and in the subsequent days during the counting. Now, the Democrats always have an advantage when it comes to new registrations, generally. So will this only bring the GOP up to, like, level with the Democrats or will it nose them ahead? I'm not sure. It depends where those registrations are. If those registrations are in places like, you know, deep red places like Mississippi or Louisiana or whatever, then it's not going to make any difference. If those registrations are in places like Pennsylvania, Florida, Arizona, you know, other sort of battlegroundy states, Wisconsin, then it makes a lot of difference. Because it doesn't matter, if you can add, you know, 10 million people to your side for voting... If they're already... It's like, say you're a Democrat and you say, we added 10 million people to the roll, That doesn't matter if the people voting are voting in deep blue districts because you already own them, right? It all depends on where those voters are. That's what makes the difference, the spread. So, you know, that's one reason why I think Donald Trump will win the election. So it's not just like... I'm not just saying it because he's better than Joe Biden, which is a way... You know, a lot of people today will say, Joe. You know, Donald Trump is going to win because he loves America. It's like, well, that's not a. That's a very emotional argument. It's not a very scientific one, right? You know, there, there's there's not a lot of facts that are in that. You, Joe Biden is going to win because Donald Trump is a fascist. Again, that's an emotional argument. It's not a very scientific one. It's best if you can at least bring a little bit of data to the conversation. And make an argument like I just did with the new voter registrations. So, keeping that in mind, like I said, I don't even really mind Fareed Zakaria, but this is his reason for saying that Donald Trump will lose the twenty twenty election. Have it listen to this? Remember, this is the real news. Okay, this is real news. Yes, yeah, see, see, follow Q. The Trump boat regatta uh, regatta was in uh, was I was in yesterday was amazing. At least 500 boats, big boats, tremendous boats. <laughs> great, big, beautiful boats. <laughs> the Trump, shout out to ROTC. The Trump boat regatta was, I was in yesterday was amazing. At least 500 boats and hundreds of people on shore. That's nice. That's great. But, you know, 500 people on the shore, a bunch of boats. That's If those people are already voting in deep red districts, that's not going to change anything. You see my point, right? If they're already voting in places where the where the Republicans are winning, then it doesn't matter. They have to be coming from places that are knife-edge or blue to make a difference. Iceman4433, double double Trump is going to win because he kicks ass. <laughs> Thank you, Rusty. Follow Rusty, by the way, dlive.tv, double 4433. Double So here's Fareed Zarkaria explaining to Anderson Cooper why he thinks Donald Trump will lose the 2020 election.
6: John King noted earlier, Joe Biden is not just ahead, he appears comfortably ahead, a fact confirmed by polls in the race for campaign cash. Yet few Democrats or analysts appear willing to make definitive predictions about the race just 11 days out after the ones many made four years ago. Our next guest is the exception, CNN's Fried Zakaria. The headline of his new piece in the Washington Post, I was wrong that Trump would lose in 2016 I'm doubling down in 2020. <laughs> he writes, quote, I will take my chances and once again predict that Trump will lose this election. Humbled as I am after these four years, I would still rather bet on and believe in the best in America. Yes.
2: The real news, ladies and gentlemen, not the fake news, the real news. You know, the real news where they bring facts, facts and evidence to inform the public. The real news and Fareed Zakaria, who I don't even mind, really, to be fair, I think he's okay. <laughs> he believes that Donald Trump will lose the election because you can do better, America. Lady of Diamonds, Gypsy with a diamond. Vantage of steal the diamond, Gypsy. Taxes are MAGA. Exactly. Shut up and pay your taxes like a patriot. Minister of Fun, Kimmy with the diamond. Trading his reputation for a cheap virtue signal. Oh, it gets even better. You can do better, America. <laughs> <laughs> I believe Donald Trump will lose the election because Americans can do better than Donald Trump.
6: Joining me now is Freed Zakaria, host of Fried Zakaria GPS here on yeah. CNN. He's written the new book, 10 Lessons for Post-Pandemic World. Okay. So Freed, why do you think that the president is going to lose this election? If you look at polls uh-huh. in, you know, key battleground states, uh-huh. uh, Hillary Clinton actually, you know, is about where Joe Biden is now in. <laughs>
2: um. Anderson's not very smart, is he? <laughs> like, I I would end the interview right there. <laughs> Why do you...
6: <laughs> God, this is so good. In in many of those states. Okay. Or was at, at this time in the race. Here we
2: go.
0: Look,
6: Anderson... You can, you can argue it uh, many different ways, right? There's no question.
0: It's a tight race. We're a divided country.
2: Uh, I guess I, I... I am so sick. I am so sick of people. I, I mean, to be fair, I've been sick of it for as long as I've been watching politics. It's And You know, if I when I say that I've been like interested in politics for over 20 years, that's not a lie. When I was a kid, I was raised by Europeans. So political discussion was commonplace around the dinner table when I was a child, you know? It was actually it was the kids who were raised by like Aussie parents, who were always like, "You can't talk about politics." You can't which I always thought was strange. Why can't we talk about politics? What is it? So like some kind of fucking thing we're not allowed to talk about? What the hell are you talking about? Right. <laughs> so I was always like involved in political discussions growing up and shit. But this fucking line that people trot out every single time. Oh, the country has never been so divided. Yes, that's what an election is, you fucking twat! That's that's literally the point of an election is to divide people up. You know, this election is all about division. Yes, they all are <laughs> You know, you know where they have 100% unity during an election, Fareed, in fucking North Korea, you twat. Stop with this fucking line, God. That that is a lie If if you ever want to, you know, judge, if you're if you're somebody who's quick to judge other people, if you're like a judge a book by the cover kind of guy, or if you're quick on picking up on whether people are dumb or not, just wait for them to say that. Wait for them to say that line. <laughs> Uh, Yeah, well, the thing about this election is uh, America has never been so divided. Yeah, that's, that's literally what an election is. Thank you very much. Thank you, genius. I mean, I've said this before. In this country, when the parliament votes on something, they don't even call it a vote. They call it a division, right? When they're voting on a bill or they're voting on a law... They say the division is now in progress because the people in there divide themselves into the yays and the nays. <laughs> it's called a division. Well, you know, this election is very divisive. But yes, thank you, Fareed. They all are. That's what an election is. Thank you.
0: I prefer to imagine an alternative narrative, which is which is borne out by a lot of
2: <laughs> you, you, hey, I need to re- I need to rewind this. <laughs> this is so good. Now, <laughs> speaking of alternative facts, speaking of facts and evidence, ladies and gentlemen, what is Fareed Zakaria's reasoning behind saying that Donald Trump will win the twenty twenty election? Have a listen at, at this time in the race.
0: Look, Anderson. You can, you can argue it uh, many different ways, right? There's no question it's a tight race. We're a divided country. I guess I, I prefer to imagine an alternative narrative.
4: <laughs> <laughs>
2: Look, Anderson. You can bring all the facts you want about polling data and new voter registrations, but I think Donald Trump is going to lose because I prefer to imagine an alternate narrative. (laughs) My imagination leads me to believe that Trump will lose. I prefer to imagine. Now we know why Joe Biden's campaign slogan is believe. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Exactly. I've created a new reality. (laughs) Fuck a duck. Anderson, to be fair to Anderson, he does not look convinced, does he? (laughs) Look at this shit. (laughs) 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 This is Victor Von Troom, alternative facts making a return. This isn't even alternative facts. This is alternative realities. Fuck. Read Zakaria. I prefer to imagine an alternative narrative.
0: Anderson, you can you can argue it uh, many different ways, right? There's no question. It's a tight race. We're a divided country. I guess I I prefer to imagine an alternative narrative.
2: <laughs> that's the, that's the fucking gold. That is absolute fucking gold. All right. <laughs> I was. I was on the floor watching that earlier today. (laughs) Jesus Christ, Sarcaria. At least try, Fareed. I prefer to imagine an alternative narrative. Therefore, Trump... In my constructed reality... A unicorn is going to ride down from the heavens and deliver the presidency to Joe Biden. And all of the wonderful gumdrop children will come out of their gingerbread homes and they will dance in the streets, all the colours of the rainbow. And the Molotov cocktails that the young people throw in their peaceful protests at the police stations will turn into lollipops. And we'll all sit down and eat and drink and gather and laugh. We'll all stand united as one. In my alternative reality, Donald Trump just possibly cannot win. Real news, ladies and gentlemen. Real news. Uh, Let's go to, I like to keep you abreast of what's happening down here in Australia. So here's some Australian coverage of the United States presidential election. Let's check it out. If Twitter video. President Donald Trump is blitzing the battleground state of Pennsylvania today in back-to-back rallies. U.S. Back correspondent Alexis State is all rugged up in Martinsburg, Pennsylvania. Alexis, good morning to you. Why is this state so crucial to the president?
5: Carl, this is one of those so-called blue wall states that Donald Trump tore down in 2016, winning Pennsylvania, Michigan and Wisconsin. And that played a huge part in his victory. He did win Pennsylvania only by the slightest of margins, but of course he still collects all 20 electoral votes. And the feeling this year is that this state is where it's at, that Pennsylvania could be the tipping point in this election. And it's interesting because before 2016, this state voted Democratic for six...
2: Just out of interest, I don't know if people care on it. I did a um, a mock-up of the the you know the electoral map back in July. I stand by it. Um, I have Trump winning 278 to I can't remember what Biden's on whatever the remaining one is um, but not by much, not by much. but in that uh, electoral mock-up that I made, Trump needs to win Pennsylvania. if he loses Pennsylvania he loses the White House. And I don't think Pennsylvania is a lock. There's a reason that it's called fool's gold. It's because every single election, Republicans assume that Pennsylvania is theirs, when more often than not, it isn't. (laughs) Right? Because you've got, you know, the suburbs in Pittsburgh, the Philly is a problem. So Pennsylvania is very interesting. He didn't win Pennsylvania by a lot in 2016. In 2018, Pennsylvania swung harshly towards the Democrats. And also you've got the issues with the Pennsylvania local government, you know, uh, the gerrymandering that's taking place, the Pennsylvanian Supreme Court changing like, well, at least attempting to change the rules about mail-in ballots and all that kind of shit. You, know, you can vote four days after the election. All of, There's a whole bunch of shit in the mix for Pennsylvania, which means that it's not in the bag. And for that reason, I find it interesting. But in my electoral map mock-up, Pennsylvania, if he loses Pennsylvania, he loses the election because it's worth 20 electoral college votes. So and you can't afford to lose 20 electoral college votes if you're only getting 278 in the first place. That'd be 278 Trump, 260 Biden. There you go, Foggy. So uh, it, it's not. It's definitely not a lock. That's you know On election night, that's the one I'll be watching is Pennsylvania. If he wins Pennsylvania, then... Uh, his, his path to victory is almost insured. I think. Almost. Uh, if he loses Pennsylvania, because I think he's going to hold Florida. Arizona is another interesting one that people don't like talking about. People just assume that Arizona is going to stay red. But there's a few different dynamics in Arizona as well. Kirsten Cinema is very popular. She's a very popular Democrat senator. She's very moderate as well, at least on the surface. Uh, You can say that she doesn't really believe, but I'm talking about the perception that she puts out there to the voting public. So, you know, I'm very interested in Senate races, like in Colorado and the Carolinas, for example, as well, which could see the Senate flip back to the Democrats. Democrats only have to win three Senate seats and they've got like 20 something to get. So, you know, I, I find it all very interesting. But on election night, I'll be watching Pennsylvania. If he holds Pennsylvania, then I think he wins, no problem. If he loses Pennsylvania, then I find it very, very difficult to say that he's going to win if he loses PA. So uh, with that in mind, let's carry on
5: elections before donald trump flipped it red and that was largely due to blue collar workers in rural towns like this one who had elected democrats for decades but then started to move towards the republicans they blamed democrats for their industry struggling like manufacturing and mining that's also why joe biden has in part been spending so much time here he's trying to change that perception but also highlight his personal connection to pennsylvania he
2: Coffee talk with Sandra with the diamond are you doing a watch party um i have to work that night so i'm not sure you know if i do come there's a, a lot of people are going to be streaming and a lot of people are probably going to be doing a better job of it than me cuz i wouldn't be able to stick around to the end anyway like i'll be at work you know these let's be honest here we've been watching the programming from the corporate press for the last 2 months telling us don't expect a result on election night so you know CNN, MSNBC are all going to be falling over themselves not to announce a winner on election night, even if Trump is miles ahead, right? Because they've already tilled the soil. We've even had Mark Zuckerberg. We played the clip on this fucking show. Mark Zuckerberg coming out and saying, we need to prepare the United, we need to prepare Americans for the reality that the result is not going to be known until days or even weeks later. So they're getting you used to that fact. They're getting you used to the idea. Don't expect a winner. Because they all expect Donald Trump to win on election night. And then they're going to try and say, well, actually, Joe Biden is in front when you count in, count all of the mail-in ballots we haven't counted yet. It's going to be a shit show. It's going to be an absolute shit show. Like, you know, if you want an election night prediction, here it is. Remember the scenes that we enjoyed in 2016 of all the people crying on election night. Oh my God, how can this happen? You're not going to get that this time. They learned. They've learned their lesson in that respect. That's why they've spent the last month telling you that uh, don't expect a result. Even if Donald Trump's winning on election night, it's not over, right? So expect in any state where it's a close call and there are Democrats in power, like in the state government, expect challenges they'll say that we need a recount there's going to be recounts in every county, every state there's going to be late ballots that come in that people are going to challenge no it's not valid, no you can't send them in now no they have to be counted I almost expect court cases for like a year longer I mean would you do you Do you doubt that that's what they would do Like, honest question, honest question. If you think the Democrats believe that they're losing on election night, do you doubt for a second that they will tie up, you know, 10, 12, 15 states in court proceedings for the next two years in order to just delay and drag it out and ruin the next four years of a Trump presidency? Do you think that they would hesitate in doing that? Honestly. And when you read the subtext to the corporate media over the last month, that's exactly what they're preparing you for. They're saying, get used to that idea now. This is what we're going to do. We are going to challenge every single ballot. We're going to challenge every single vote. They're going to challenge every single ballot and every single vote in the toss-up states. And then when Donald Trump comes out and says, hey, this is bullshit. I won the election. You guys are just trying to tie it up. You're trying to malign my presidency, they'll then accuse him of tying it up, right? Of course they will. These people are predictable like fucking sunrise. They will do anything they can to subvert the results and then accuse the other person of doing just that. So, uh, you know, so I might come on and stream. I don't know. Do you guys even want me to? Like I said, there's going to be people who do a far better job of it than me. And why why would you want to listen to an Australian anyway? (laughs) You know what I mean? I'm only a commentator. I can't, I can't, I literally cannot even come out. Nowadays, I can't even come out and say, vote for this guy, don't vote for that guy, because I'll get kicked off fucking Twitter for doing that now. Believe it or not, because they'll say that's foreign interference. So, you know, (laughs) if you watch, if you watch me, I I don't know what I can offer you that somebody else can't do a better job at. So, right? And everybody's going to be streaming anyway. But I mean, if you guys want me to, I, I might. But like I said, I'll, I'll only probably be able to come on for a couple of hours. <laughs> Coffee Talk with Sandra with the Diamond. Aussie Lives Matter. What if we do something like, uh, you know, maybe winning TV. Uh, is Phil still in the chat? I don't know if he's still in the chat or not. Maybe he's listening. Maybe he's not. Uh, if he catches the replay. Maybe we could do something like a, a handover. You know, So I could stream for an hour or so and then hand it over to Phil and then Phil can have people on and open up the Discord and have a conversation and blah, 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 blah. Maybe we could do something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but we'll talk about it. There's plenty of time. There's plenty of time. All right. Uh, back, back to the price of fish here. Have a listen to this. Have a listen to this. The corporate news in Australia, ladies and gentlemen. We're a little more subtle with the way we do things here.
5: He was born in Scranton, Pennsylvania, so he has been reinforcing that. But Donald Trump is hitting this state really hard too. He's got three stops here today alone. We're expecting him here in Martinsburg in a little bit, and he's already done one rally where he unleashed a torrent of slurs against Joe Biden.
2: Now, listen to this. <laughs> a torrent of slurs. Amberlina with the diamond. Just don't cross the streams. Okay, point taken. <laughs> now, have a listen to this now. I want to hear <laughs> Did you hear the reporter Donald Trump unleashed a torrent of slurs against Joe Biden What was it fucking k word <laughs> fucking f word <laughs> You stupid drug addicted faggot you know it's something like that's what I'm expecting when I hear a torrent of slurs I'm like oh wow it must be Can we can we hear a torrent of slurs <laughs> What does the corporate mainstream media Determined to be a torrent of slurs. Have a listen to this.
5: He's a torrent of slurs against Joe Biden. How do you vote for this guy? Look,
0: look, look. He almost got through the debate. I wouldn't say he was Winston Churchill, but it was okay. (laughs) And then we got him. And the last question, I said, do you mean you're against oil? Yes, I'd uh, wean it out. Okay. I said, Pennsylvania, Texas, are you watching?
2: Um. That's it. That's it. That's really that's it. That's a torrent of slurs? <laughs> that's a torrent of slurs. I don't think this dumb blonde cunt knows what a slur is. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think she knows what a slur is. This fucking idiot. I I want to hear the torrent of slurs. Show me the torrent of slurs.
5: ...rally, where he unleashed a torrent of slurs against Joe Biden.
2: How do you vote for this guy?
0: Look,
5: look, look. He almost got through the debate. I
0: wouldn't say he was Winston Churchill, but it was okay. And then we got him, and the last question, I said, do you mean you're against oil? Yes, I'd uh, wean it out. I said... Pennsylvania, Texas, are you watching?
2: And a bit of a- That's it. That's a torrent of slurs. Thank you so much, Corin Thank you so much, corporate media. <laughs> These people are fucking nuts. Uh oh, here's what here's an article for you. Calls to stop systemic racism in the investment sector, ladies and gentlemen. Believe it or not, before Donald Trump and before well, let's be fair here, before the last 30 years, I would have been in my element talking politics back in the day, talking about things like tax tax receipts and the economy and social policy and all that kind of boring stuff. I love that stuff. Can't talk about it anymore, though, because people don't want to know. But have a listen to this. This is fantastic. <laughs> Black women in asset management, otherwise known as BWAM, B-W-A-M, BWAM, BWAM, nigga has called on investment firms to stop systemic racism by making changes to their investment processes. Oh, yes.
1: Yes, 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 please.
2: In an open letter to the asset management community published this morning, BWAM urged investment firms to, quote, promote racial equity through their investment portfolios and recruitment processes. Are you reading the subtext to this? The letter makes five recommendations, one of which is to build an anti-racist investment portfolio. Oh, this, this... I don't see any problems with this. Do you? How does it work? I'm glad you asked. This would work by assessing a company's commitment to racial diversity and by de-disinvesting from businesses that continue to have racial inequalities or target vulnerable individuals, for example, prison labor. The, The subtext to that is, ladies and gentlemen, if you have too many white people working at your company, you don't get investment. The letter also calls on firms to expand the pipeline of young black women starting investment careers. Bwam said firms could provide guidance to young black women who are in secondary school, sixth form, and university education in order to develop strong candidates for future employment opportunities. Firms should also look to promote black women to senior leadership roles by coming up with suitable progression plans which consist of coaching and mentoring. Exactly. It's a spin-off on uh, affirmative action. Now you ne- it's not uh, Affirmative action isn't good enough anymore. Now you need to spend twice as much money and twice as much time and twice as much effort in promoting the people who have the correct skin colour, i.e. not white. And you also need to disinvest. You need to stop investing in firms and uh, companies that are run and owned by white people. Because it's all about diversity. The letter, st- the letter states, These strategies will give black women an equitable opportunity to advance to senior leadership. See, see by <laughs> by literally holding the stick, and saying we will not give money to people who are white. This is now spun as give black women an equitable opportunity to advance to senior leadership and add diverse voices to the people who shape investment strategy and make investment decisions. BWAM also wants to see firms call for policy change and implement internal policies that tackle racial injustice. Jacqueline Tawo, co-founder of BWAM and Associate General Counsel at Tower Brook Capital Partners said, quote, Dismantling systemic racism creates a more sustainable and equitable society. However, investment firms have been slow to see racism as a serious investment risk. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Stop systemic racism in investment. Because <laughs> money apparently is racist too all righty um you know what we might call it there we might call it there I'm going for a couple of hours thank you for joining us on this monday night edition of the daily boogie podcast don't forget to follow all of our friends uh joy of Pessy, sunday night shitshow at real person pltcs why censored kimmy Mr. America to be the of truth, UK Neil, Char Money, ladies and gentlemen, the great JJ Stoner, hopefully joining us on Wednesday. Uh, we should be able to get that up and running. We'll see how we go. Don't forget, uh, Irrational Times, Coffee Talk with Sandra, everybody's favourite lover of French women, Mersh, at 10pm tonight. Uh, Lois Ropes with Way Dave tomorrow morning, followed by JJ Stoner. Don't forget, shout out to the ROTC boys as well. Uh, winning TV ladies and gentlemen tomorrow night at 6.30 Iceman4433 and anyone else I may have forgotten thank you to everybody who contributed tonight on DLive and on Streamlabs I'll be back Wednesday night in the floating time slot (laughs) until then ladies and gentlemen stay calm, stay rational, God bless and we'll see you soon, bye bye And don't forget Victor Von Schroom, of course. The Victor Show, dlive.tv slash thevictorshow.